Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Hello and welcome again. You are back with us here on the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. And I am Taylor of Terror. And uh, it's great to have you with us again. Hopefully there's some new people here. I, don't, we, I feel like we're, you know, kind of connecting with all these other podcasts and like we put it out there. It's like, you know, if, if you have an ad that we want to put on, if you want us to put on your show um, and you want to put ours on your show, we're happy to swap with you. But I mean, we've been doing that for two shows or two episodes worth now and uh, just got one response. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I would think that people would want free advertising, but one would think. Um, but anyway, uh, we know that uh, the Return of the Living podcast put our ad on one of their episodes, so hopefully there's some uh, some of their listeners picking up on us, on us now, so I want to welcome you guys, if, if there are any of you. Um, so, And then we're also going to... Uh our ad is going to appear on Yelpcast. Right. Whose ad you probably heard on our last episode. Right. And not entirely sure when that's supposed to air. I thought it was supposed to be this weekend, but... I know they just put out a, a new episode, but it's not on that one, so I get whenever... I don't know how often they post, but right. it'll be on their next one. Well, uh, oh God, I, f- I forget his name. It's one of the hosts um, that I was in contact with, I... Forgive me, I, I forget his name, um, but he kind of gave me. He, he said, "Well, we got this episode, and we got this episode." Yeah, I saw that. Right. Uh, which one would you prefer? And I said, "Oh, let's, let's go with this one." And Apparently, that's the later one. Right. So. Uh, so yeah, go check out their podcast. Um, I think might plug the plug their ad into this episode too, since we don't have another one. Um, but anyway. Uh, so how are you? I'm well. Well? Yeah. What have you been up to? Uh, nothing really too terribly exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. Do you do you find yourself like going through Netflix and being like, oh, I want to watch this movie, but we might review it later, so I'm not going to yet. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, I, 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 last night I was looking through the movies and there was like three of them that I was like, oh, I want to watch this. <laughs> and then I was like, maybe I should just watch it and just take notes just in case and I'll have them. Right. I, I've actually thought about doing that too, just like pre-watching movies. But then it's like, I know if we end up reviewing it like, you know, six months down the line, so I'm going to rewatch it anyway. Exactly, so yeah. The finer details. So, um, yeah, but I know exactly what you're talking about. There's and a new documentary on there. I think it's called American Nightmare or something. It's like a, a documentary about horror films throughout right, history. Right. Like, it goes all the way back to, like, the old silent movies. Mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't watched it yet, but it's, that's something that I would really be interested in. Yeah, I, I haven't watched it either. Um, it, it looks cool. It looks... I, I've heard good things about it. Have you? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we could watch it, see if it's, if it's something that we could review, if it's... Well, I mean, I don't think that it would necessarily be worthy of a review, since it is a documentary. Right. But it's I, it is something I want to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry if I seem a little out of it this episode. I've been waking up at four thirty every morning to go to work this week. Fuck that. Yeah. I uh, <clears throat> I signed up for health insurance through my work, 
and it's insanely expensive. I mean, it's a small company, so that mm. kind of comes with the territory. But it's like I went to sign up for Obamacare um, through the health exchange, and it was relatively low priced. I mean, I think I could have gotten a plan for myself for some something like 150 a month, which isn't too bad. Um, but it doesn't include dental or vision. So, like, I mean, getting older, those are two things I'm going to really need. Right. Especially because I'm the only person in my family that doesn't wear glasses. Uh, so I know my time's coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, See, me, I've been blind since I was, like, seven years old, so. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think the only person in my family that has manageable vision is my mom. But my dad, my brother, my sister, they all have just shit vision. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I'm just waiting for my time to come. I mean, like, I, I actually have glasses, um, but they're minimal prescription. I mean, practically just, like, looking through a piece of glass. But it helps when, like, my tie, my eyes get tired from reading or, you know, looking at a computer screen or something, I just put them on. It kind of gives me a little bit of relief. But When you want to look like a hipster. Yeah. My tiny little wireframe glasses <laughs> are a little too small for me, yeah. Um, yeah, so waking up at 4.30 to get a little extra overtime to help offset the cost of that insurance has been real fun. Yeah, that's some bullshit. Yeah. You want some coffee? I, I got an energy drink here. All right. I'm covered. I thought about getting a big one liter of some Mountain Dew, though. Uh, might do that. Might take a break in the middle of the episode and <laughs> go grab one. Um, well, anything else new on your end before we jump into things? Uh, no, I really got nothing. Yeah. I live a boring life. Yeah, I, I hear you. Uh, I think the most entertaining things that I've got going on is, you know, we're planning a wedding, which, I mean, you've been there before, is not necessarily fun. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Although we were smart about it. We started early, and we gave ourselves a full, like, one-year engagement, um, like a full, well, not calendar year, but full 12 months. Yeah. Uh, We started early. So we've got a lot of the more important things done, just kind of like the smaller little things, but... You know, they say the, the devil's in the details, so... <laughs> they do say that. Hmm? They do say that. They, they do That's say something that. that they say. Yeah. They. <laughs> Them. <laughs> um, They're always saying something. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we're working on getting a dog, which is a pain in the ass. Yeah, so are we, actually. Right. Um, I feel like... Well, I mean, like, you're you're looking for a French bulldog. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, have you been looking at breeders or, like, you've been... We've been looking at rescues. Rescues, right. Um, we're trying to get a corgi because it's, like, the only dog that we can both agree on. Yeah. Um, and they are a pain in the ass to find. There aren't a lot of rescues. I mean, we want a puppy so we can train it to live in our home. Finding a puppy that's a rescue is near impossible. Right. Yeah. I mean, that. The I've seen one rescue. One. And it was, it's like five years old. Um, so, uh, and we're so, you know, you, you can't go through a shelter. No shelter is going to have 
a corgi, yeah. or you know, at least a purebred one. So we've been talking to breeders, and breeders, these people charge insane prices. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fucking astronomical. Yeah. Um, I mean, we found one lady. Um, she's in uh, Idaho, and she sells them for like $500 because she's a hobby breeder. Uh, she doesn't do it as, for a living. And uh, she, she sells them for $500 uh, if we, like, say, if we sign a contract saying we'll get them spayed or neutered. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me. Um, so that, that was cool, but they didn't, I want a, a red one. All she had was tricolors. Uh, so we kind of put her on the back burner for a while. But then we had more and more trouble. I saw one the other day that had a black face. Just a black face? Yeah. It was weird. I, I, it, like, it, it looked like it had to have been mixed with something. Because mm. it didn't look like a, a normal corgi face. Mm-hmm. It didn't just look like, like a, cor- a corgi wearing black face. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but we did find this one lady uh, here in, in state. It was actually the lady that uh, your girlfriend gave gave us her, her information. I thought she was in Oregon. No, she's down in uh, Olympia. Oh, okay. Um, which, for those of you not from here, it's it's about, I don't know, hour, hour and a half from Seattle. Roughly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, I guess she's going to have some in a couple weeks. Oh, so cool. we could potentially have a puppy by then. Nice. Yeah. Pretty sweet. But other than that, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Um, okay, that's enough bullshit. Uh, let's jump into horror business. we got a lot of horror business to take care of. So A lot of horror business. Let's do it. You could say, too much horror business. Like the song. Like this, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the song that was just playing. Right. Um, First order of horror business. Yeah, you take it. Me take it? Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, last episode, we talked about the Goosebumps movie, mm-hmm. uh, which features Jack Black as an R.L. Stein character, basically. You know, I was, I was actually, after we recorded, I was reading another article about that, and it actually says that he's, his character is named R.L. Stein. Yeah, which, I saw that. I think it's the same one, but on IMDb, it still says Shivers as his name. Right. Mr. Shivers. So, so I, I think it's just a character based on R.L. Stein. I don't think the character is named R.L. Stein. Yeah, it has to be, because why would you name it? He, he looks absolutely nothing like R.L. Stein. So right. Um, anyway, go ahead. Uh, yeah, well, there's uh, some new casting. Um, Dylan, I want, I guess, Manette? Is that right? Uh, yeah, that'd be how I say it. Um, who is from Prisoners? I'm not even familiar with that. Is that a TV show or is that a movie? I think so. I mean, I'm looking at his IMDb right here. He's, he's actually been, um, he was in a handful of episodes on Lost. Um, he was in an episode of, uh, SVU. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., apparently. How, how old is he? Well, he says he's born in 96, so where would that put him? Uh, 17, 18, depending on when his okay. birthday is. Um, and he was in Let Me In, which I haven't seen it, but he plays Kenny. I don't know. Is that the main character? I haven't, I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Well, um, yeah, so you might recognize him from Lost or probably maybe from Let Me In. I would think those would probably be his biggest credits. 
Yeah. Well, he plays... Uh, what's the character's name? I thought it said... I, I guess so. I guess not. Uh, well, he plays this young man who moves to Greendale, Maryland, where Mr. Shivers or R.L. Stein or whatever, Jack Black's character, lives. And um, the stories start to come to life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're brought to life by Slappy, a demonic ventriloquist dummy, which is an R.L. Stein story. Right. Um, how Slappy comes alive, I don't know, but uh, he apparently comes to life and he brings all of the other stories with him and so Dylan Minnette's character and Jack Black have to stop them from destroying the world or whatever it is they... Right, and he plays I think he, he plays like the, say he plays like the neighbor character Yeah, um, and I think he kind of makes friends with the the author's niece, Hannah who we talked about last week is uh, Odea Rush, right? Um, so, and this is uh, this is based on a script written by Darren Lemke and Mike White, and is being produced by Neil H. Moritz and Deborah Forte of Scholastic Entertainment. Scholastic was, of course, the publishing company that put out the Goosebumps books. Right. It's funny seeing all these. Uh, I mean, they were just like publishing houses that they've been moving into film lately. Yeah, I actually did not know Scholastic was making movies. Neither did I. Um, but I mean, of course, I can't name one offhand. But a lot of other publishing houses have been kind of following suit. And I mean, you know, moving into films and other kinds. It only of makes media. sense. Yeah, music also is. I think maybe more, more music than film. But, um, but yeah. Do we have any kind of um, like filming dates or anything for that? Um, I don't think so. All right. So that'll be out eventually. Yeah, one of these days. Maybe we'll look into it and, you know, tell you next episode or something. This is going to be the best Christmas ever. All right, um, so we were talking about, well, (laughs) almost every episode we'd say something about Kevin Smith. Which is weird, because, like, Kevin Smith, you say Kevin Smith and people don't normally think horror. Right. But lately that's really what he's been up to. Yeah, uh, and I mean, I don't think he's necessarily planned it out that way, that he's just doing, like, horror films. Um, but, I mean, yeah, that seems to be the the direction his career's been moving. Yeah, so. I mean, he's still got Clerks 3 in the pipe, mm-hmm. but apparently that's actually being pushed farther down the pipe right. now. Right, yeah, which brings us, brings us to the point. Uh, we talked about his... His Christmas theme movie uh, comes to Krampus, which is actually like an anthology. Apparently, they're going to start filming on that in April, um, which puts it before Clerks Three. And originally, it was the other way around. Right. He was going to film Clerks Three first, and then he was going to move on to Comes to Krampus. Um, I wonder if the plan is to have it out by Christmas of this year. Maybe, but that I that, think that would be quick. But that that would be quick. Um, I could see it more realistically next year. Yeah, but that seems too long. I guess it kind of depends on how much post-production is needed. That's true. I mean, if there's going to be a lot of CGI, which, you know, if, if he's... Does he have a studio behind this? Or is he doing something? That's a good own? question. I don't know. I, feel, I, I don't feel like I've heard anything. Yeah, I don't think I have either. 
Um, so he probably won't have a lot of CGI. Yeah. At least not good CGI. But I don't know. On the flip side, if he needs a lot of effects, then he's got to do practical effects, and those can get spendy too. Yeah. In fact, probably more spendy than CGI. But that's something they would be doing now if they want to start filming in April. They would be getting those effects ready. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, obviously we, we don't know anything about the film other than the titles of the of segments. Right. Um, and that they're all being directed by different people. Right. All members of the, the Smodcast family. Right. Um, but, yeah, he actually, Kevin or Smith actually said on, again, on Jane Silent Bob Get Old, that he's basically flipping them that... He feels like doing Clerks three, while he he wants to do it, it, it it'd be more of a, a sidestep or even a or a backstep, um, whereas comes to Krampus would be a step forward. Which, right, if not for him, then for the you know the other people involved. Because mm-hmm. like Jason Mewes is trying to get into directing, this will be his directorial debut. Right. Um. So yeah, I, I can totally understand where he's coming from. Well, yeah, and like he said, Clerks three is that's his baby. You know, uh-huh. it's not like. If he puts it off, someone else is going to jump in and take it. Yeah. He's the only one that can make Clerks 3. Mm-hmm. I wonder if um, I wonder if Miramax still owns the rights to that. I don't know. Actually, was Clerks... I wonder if... Was Clerks 2 even through Dimension? Or Miramax? I believe it was. Was it? Okay. Because the, the last... I could be wrong, but I think it was. The last Kevin Smith film that I can remember distinctly being... Through Miramax was uh, Jane Silent Bob get old or not get old um, Strike Back yeah <clears throat> so um, but anyway yeah they're gonna start filming that in April um, that's as far as production or, or release that's that's all we really know right now but <laughs> pretty much like every every episode will probably give you something new as long as it keeps feeding us feeding it to us so. Um, we will keep you up to date on that. So, uh, up next, they're remaking Pet Cemetery, which I initially didn't know how I felt about because Pet Cemetery is one of my favorite Stephen King adaptations. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really good. Yeah. It's got Herman Munster. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but with the latest about the remake, I, I now know that I feel terrible about it and I'm <laughs> sad. And, uh, yeah, uh, it was originally supposed to be written by, uh, David, I'm going to butcher this, Koganich? Kajanic? I, I really have no idea how to pronounce that. It's K-A-J-G-A-N-I-C-H. Um, but he apparently also co-wrote the It remake. Mm, okay. But apparently he is now off it in lieu of Matthew Greenberg, who wrote 1408. Which was kind of meh. Yeah, but these are all Stephen King adaptations. Right. So. At least they're keeping it in the, you know, in a circle. Or right. Anything. Uh, but apparently the plan is to appeal to a younger audience, mm-hmm. which is never a good idea in horror. No, 
I mean, we saw that with Carrie. Right. Um, yeah, they want to make Ellie, who is one of the main characters, like they want to put her front and center and have her be a teenager. Ellie was the mom, wasn't she? No, Ellie was the, was the daughter, the, the young girl. That's right. Um, who was like seven? If that. Yeah. I mean, because I know the little baby, Gage, I mean, he was a baby. Um, Ellie, I I don't know if I'd put her older than like five or six. Okay. Well, yeah, they want to make her into a teenager and put her front and center. <laughs> Why? I, I don't know. To appeal to young girls, I guess. But, I mean, I, I can understand them seeing uh, females, especially like teenage females, um, as an untapped market. But... It's untapped for a reason. Yeah. I mean, teenage girls... If, if, if you're going to appeal to teenage girls, that's pretty much the only demographic you're going to appeal to. Yeah. I Because guys at, like us, 30-year-old males, are not going to want to see a movie that's geared towards teenage girls. Exactly. I mean, look at Twilight. Yeah. I refuse to ever see those movies. Exactly. Um, I mean, aside from the part... Or aside from the fact that it's got uh, uh, Kristen Stewart's permanent frown and Robert Pattinson's square head. Um, uh, I just... I mean, like I said, I can understand trying to draw in an untapped market. I, I can understand that from a purely business standpoint. Excuse me. Excuse me again. But the diehard Stephen King fans are going to be fear, fucking furious. Yeah, like it hasn't even happened yet, and I'm fucking furious. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it, it's just another way that Hollywood kind of has us all by the balls, like, as viewers. So, I mean, you look at, at you know, people, like you said, people our age, Stephen King fans that, you know, love the original movie, and you see this remake, and it's like, oh, cool, cool, they're making us a Pet Cemetery remake. And then we read the plot and say, okay, this sounds fucking stupid. But then, like suckers, we go and pay for it anyway. Uh, you know, I, I want to try and find an example to prove you wrong, but I can't think of one. Well, it's like, one example I can think of is uh, Batman vs. Superman. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to put a single cent of my money into that movie because I hate Ben Affleck. <laughs> Because, um, I mean, like like Nightmare on Elm Street remake, I thought, oh, this looks awful, but I still went and saw it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had, a, I had a creeping suspicion that Carrie was going to suck. Sure, there we sure. were, yeah. opening night. Yep. <laughs> Fuck us, man. We're fucking stupid. <laughs> it, it was business. It, yeah. it was a business expense. We can write it off the end of the year. <laughs> Uh, but uh, this is being directed by Juan Carlos <clears throat> Fresnadillo, who directed 28 Weeks Later, mm-hmm. which was the shitty one. Right. Days was the decent one. Yes. So, uh, yeah, my hopes for this are minimal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, obviously we can't pass, like, solid judgment until we see, like, at least a trailer. Right. But assuming when we do see the trailer and it just looks stupid... Then, like, I can only see this being like a DVD, uh, a DVD rental at best. I, 
I would will be willing to bet that it comes out as PG thirteen too. Oh no doubt. You can't. They just don't make R rated horror movies anymore because they're trying to skew younger. God damn it! It's 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 sad. What? I mean, us as horror fans, we we wish that horror was more respected and recognized among the film community. Um, but I mean, a horror movie comes out. And, like, it's just instantly branded as shit because it's a horror movie. Yeah. I mean, it's never going to get nominated for an Oscar or any kind of, like, you know, big-name award um, because it's a horror film. Um, That's just really sad, but when you've got shit like this that you you adapt to try and and draw in a different audience than the one that's, you know, built in... Mm -hmm. um, you, you sacrifice the integrity of the movie, and like when when you get, get like a DVD of a horror movie and you watch the director's cut, mm-hmm. it's always so much better mm-hmm. than the theatrical cut, especially if it's a writer director. Yeah, but the thing is, not even the director's cut is going to be as good as the script, right? Because you know, guys come in with a script, and the uh, production company tells them that the you know, they need more car chases or they need a scary stove. <laughs> right. <laughs> and just fucking ruin everything. Yeah. Michael just, Bay says, you need more explosions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's just there's this constant demand to turn a horror movie into an action movie or a, or a romance or something. It's, yeah. It's like, just let it be what it is, for Christ's sake. They don't seem to realize that they don't need to expand to this global audience. There is already a built-in audience yeah. for horror. Yeah, I mean... The, Especially with remakes. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, it's never going to be a shrinking market. There's always going to be horror fans, especially because people like you and me, when we have kids, we're going to make them horror fans, too. Yeah. And they're just going to go on like that. You don't need to try and appeal to this global audience because by doing so, you're shrinking the audience that's already there. Yeah. So you're basically sacrificing one person for another. So you're not gaining anything. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that, like, for instance, if I were to have two kids and I can make them both horror fans, I just doubled the market right there. Yeah. And so I, I can do that with old films not these crappy remakes yeah I mean I think the only one that may have like like as far as remakes go something that I might share with my children is like Evil Dead mm-hmm. because even though it was a remake it was awesome I mean there are some things I didn't agree with right uh, I mean particular certain elements of the ending mm-hmm. um, maybe some casting choices yeah um but all in all, the movie was awesome. So yeah, it's like, yeah, kids, this is the original Evil Dead, and then here's the remake. You can see how they're equally awesome, and then you know you've got horror, new horror fans there, and so it's like you don't need to, like I said before, you don't need to draw in a new market. You've got one. Yeah. Grow that market. Work on that. Don't. Don't force it into other people that just aren't interested. Exactly. Don't try and turn a horror movie into a romantic comedy so you can get the romantic comedy crew to come yeah. and watch it. And vice versa. It's like don't try to, to don't try to market 
uh, guys that like action movies into seeing a romantic comedy or um, a sci-fi film. Well, I mean, those, those tend to go hand in hand, I guess. True. Um, but, I mean, you, you, you get what I mean. Um, it's just... I just wish they could leave well enough alone, especially classic, not only films but literature like Pet Cemetery. Yeah, um, it's support just support indie horror, definitely, because those are the people who are out there making the movies they want to make, right? And then the ones we want to see, right? Um, and just because they don't have a big studio budget behind it, doesn't mean they're not putting their heart and soul into it. Yeah, and it's usually a better story. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's why we, we support people like. Like Eric England, Eric, Eric England, and uh, and Jessica Cameron, who's somebody who directed the, the movie uh, Truth or Dare. She's kind of a new age scream queen a little bit, but she recently directed her first film. Mm-hmm. Um, we might recently found out that she's actually going to be in the Crypticon film, uh, film festival. Do we have confirmation on that? Uh, okay, I guess we don't have like official confirmation, but she got a, said she, she actually tweeted us and. So she got a message back from Crypticon. So and, and then Crypticon actually favorited her tweet. Right. Which kind of is a endorsement from them. So Right, right. Um, it, it does sound like it's gonna happen, but Yeah. And so I mean like when we go to Crypticon we might try to track her down and talk to her a little bit, um, hopefully. But anyway, so you know, like like you said, independent horror, people like that that just they have a passion for the genre. And they aren't trying to make an attempt to, you know, put a square peg in a round hole. I mean, they just, they know what it is, and they're trying to continue on a tradition. So, um, yeah. I'm actually going to jump ahead here since we brought up Jessica Cameron. Um, she's actually putting out a new movie. Well, it's not, she's not putting it. She's producing it. Right. And starring in it. It's being written and directed by Brian Coyne. It's a movie called Utero. Mm-hmm. And it's about an agoraphobic unwed mother who finds her psyche unraveling as she becomes convinced that her unborn child is more monster than human. Which, of course, sounds like Rosemary's Baby. Sure. <laughs> but... But you look at the poster, and it's definitely not in the same vein. Oh, I, I don't know if that's necessarily something literal from the film. Well, no. I mean, it's, it just sounds like it's it could just be like her nightmare. Yeah. But, but still. I, I, I like the concept that she, uh, like you say, she's agoraphobic, um, and she just... Which, for of, those of you that don't know, means she's afraid to go outside. Yeah, well, I think it's just afraid of... Uh, large spaces. Right. I think that that is literally what it is. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I really like the concept of this movie uh, because to see somebody who who is who's changing physically, you know, growing something inside them, but meanwhile their, their head is spinning and, you know, just starting to lose it. That's That's an interesting idea to me. To just for somebody to start imagining that somehow the, the, the 
thing growing inside them is some kind of monster and not uh, not a child. Right. Well, uh, Cameron referred to it as the most cerebral script she's ever read. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then Coyne, the writer and director, he says it's a film that he's been dreaming of making for some time. A bare, raw, disgusting, but ultimately touching story that I can't wait to tell. Um, and he, he calls Cameron his demonic partner in crime. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if this will actually be kind of a monster movie or if it's just going to be like mostly just psychological. It's really hard to tell because yeah. you, you kind of get mixed um, mixed messages from the description and from the poster. Mm-hmm. The yeah. poster is like her belly and it looks like a giant spider coming out of it. Yeah, I just showed that to my sister and my fiancé last night and they both cringed. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but I mean the fact that she refers to it as um, cerebral. Leads me to believe that it, like you said, it's going to be all just a psychological film. Like yeah, just kind of living in her head with her, basically. Um, but then, um, Coin he he says that it's uh, raw and disgusting. So I there may know. be like nightmares or something that she has of that something ripping be. out of her stomach or. Yeah, I mean we've seen the effect of like. People that are, you know, agoraphobic um, or just psychologically disturbed, um, and just kind of come apart at the seams in their own space. Um, like, have you seen *Requiem for a Dream*? Yes. The mother. I mean, that's that's a prime example of somebody who just has, you know, in their own space, just starts to lose their mind and come apart. Yeah. So I don't know. Could potentially be something like that. That would be interesting. Yeah. Um, so, do we have any information on a release? Or, I mean, they're currently working on it? Uh, give me two seconds here. Two seconds. I'm pulling up the email she sent us. Because she actually sent us the uh, press release. And that was how we found out about this movie. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. It makes me feel good to get things like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, granted, she probably sent it to dozens of, of people, but... Dozens! <laughs> I do not see a release date. Okay. I mean, yeah, they, they might be still working on it, so... Right, but you can um, follow them on Facebook... Or Twitter, it's just Eurofilm. Is there a website too? Uh, there's not one listed here. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay, so if you're just Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, ah, okay. all of which are Eurofilm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, if you want to know about that film, I would suggest uh, checking out those sources and seeing if it's something that appeals to you. So up next, we actually have a uh, two-in-one news story here uh, about Rob Zombie. He Originally, his next movie was slated to be Broad Street Bullies about the Philadelphia Flyers. Right. 
Uh, apparently he's putting that on the back burner to make another horror film. Which is good and bad. Apparently he said he kind of was falling out of love with horror. Really? Yeah. Um, but he, he got this idea, took it to the studio, said, I have this idea. They loved it. That's really all we know. Yeah. Um, whatever the idea is, he's not telling. All he's really saying is that it's going to be horror, and it's going to be in the same, in his word, headspace as The Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. That it's, it's it's not, like, tied to that movie in any way. Right. It's just that kind of feeling. Yeah, which will be interesting to see. I mean, I know Devil's Rejects got a lot of flack because it wasn't horror in, in the it way that... It was very, like, old-school grit and grind horror. Yeah. It, it was nothing like House of a Thousand Corpses. No. And that, I think that's why people were detracted from it because they went in there expecting, like, essentially it's, it's, the same thing. It's kind of, it's a road movie, basically. Yeah. Um, I mean, you might might even qualify it as kind of a, I don't know, almost like a grindhouse movie. Yeah. It, it's definitely got that feel. Yeah. I really enjoy it. I think it's probably my favorite Rob Zombie movie. I, th- I think I still like House of a Thousand Corpses better, but I do like Devil's Rejects a lot. Um, uh, so it'd be interesting to see what he produces. I mean, because he came off a couple bad movies. I mean... <laughs> Halloween 2 was a stinker. Halloween 2 was fucking awful. Um, Lords of Salem... I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I remember we didn't give it necessarily very good reviews. Yeah. You just go back and listen to our review if you want to know what we think of that. Right. I don't, I don't remember what episode it was, but, um, yeah, I, I just hope that he can find that, that magic that he used to have, you know? Yeah. Hopefully he falls back in love with horror and you can feel it. Right. In the movie. Um, and then I don't know if this is before or after this, but he's also working on a, uh, miniseries based on the Charles Manson murders. Right. But he's not writing that, he's just directing it. And it's being written by Brett Easton Ellis, who is the author of American Psycho. Yeah. That is a fucking dream team right there. That is really awesome. I I can't wait to see that. Yeah, Um, it's still in the very, very early stages, mm -hmm. but they're writing it for Fox. Um, I I don't know how how long it's going to be, but like I said, the plan is to be a mini-series. Because obviously that's not something you can sustain over years and years. But yeah, that's that's very exciting news. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, Ellis, anybody that hasn't read like American Psycho or... um, Less Than Zero. Less Than Zero. Uh, God, what's another one? The Informers or... Yeah, The Informers. Um, He's got a very surreal way of writing. Definitely. Um, Just... He, he puts you like, like, um, let's take less than zero. Uh, he, he puts you inside this world where things are just so weird. Like, it, it, it's almost like I feel like if I had to live in this world, that I'd have a panic attack. <laughs> Just so many fucked up things going on all the time, and it's just normal to these people. Right. Or like American Psycho, how, you know, like if, if you watch the movie American Psycho, at the end you have this theory of, like, is he crazy or is this actually happening? Yeah. But if you read the book, like, you feel 
like you're the one wondering, am I crazy? Yeah. It's like the, you, I know when I read it, I found myself going back a lot. It's like, wait, did I miss something here? Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's got just an incredible way of writing. I mean, I think aside from American Psycho, which is probably my favorite book of his, um, I think my second favorite is one of his more recent books called Lunar Park, where he actually, he, the book is about a fictionalized version of himself, where he has this fictitious wife and son, but he finds himself kind of being haunted by Patrick Bateman. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's really good. Um, I, I suggest anybody that's a fan of American Psycho or uh, Brett Easton Ellis in general, I I would very much recommend you pick up this it's book. It's crazy how his books all tie together. Yeah, I, I, I love it. Like uh, um, uh, Rules of Attraction. Yeah. Uh, like the main character is Patrick Bateman's brother. Yeah. But you don't like you don't even think about it. No. Um, but actually in the books, it doesn't happen in either movie, but in the books, both characters appear. In, like, oh, really? They talk about Patrick Bateman in the movie, Rules of Engagement. Yeah. But you, you never actually see him. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, he, if, if you don't know, you might not make that connection. Cause right. Because they don't say Patrick Bateman. They just say, oh, my brother Patrick. Right, right. Um, so, uh, but, oh, God, I don't, I don't remember his name now. Uh, Bateman's brother. Sean? Sean, yeah. Sean Bateman. He actually does make a short appearance in American Psycho. And Patrick Bateman appears in Rules of Attraction, and it's, it's I think it's more interesting in Rules, Rules of Attraction because there's no absolutely no discussion of who Patrick really is. He's just Sean's kind of asshole or brother. So hmm. it's it's just really interesting to see Patrick Bateman in another or to, to read Patrick Bateman in another book, but he's not. Patrick Bateman. Um, yeah, he's not a, a murderous psycho. Um, so anyway, um, back to the point. Yeah, uh, Ellis and Rob Zombie working together just because they have so, they both have so um, interesting, like there's such interesting views on the world and a way of creating an atmosphere. Um, I think they'll complement each other really well. Yeah. I'm so, excited. Yeah, for sure. Uh, is there any, do we know anything ab- about, like, what channel's gonna be on? I Fox. It's Fox? Okay. Yeah. Uh, release date? No. No. Okay. Um, interesting to see who they get to play, uh, Manson. Yeah. Cause I know they, I'm kinda hoping for, like, some unknowns. I think that, that would best convey the mm-hmm. story, so you're not focusing on who they are. Yeah. I know they made a, um, movie or it was a remake of Helter Skelter and they used it was actually I don't remember his name but he was if you guys have seen Saving Patrick or Saving Private Ryan he was the the um, really nervous shy soldier that uh, at one point he let one of the Germans go like they had him digging his grave and then he let him go. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyway, it was that guy playing uh Manson and he looked exactly like him. Oh, it was yeah? creepy. Um 
We all know, though, the best adaptation of the Manson murders is Live Freaky, Die Freaky. I don't know that I've seen that one. Oh, it's all puppets. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And the puppets are all voiced by, like, musicians. Oh, you know what? Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day plays Charlie Hansen. Charlie Hansen? Yeah. Like, everybody in the movie, I don't know if they, like, well, you don't really have rights when you're in prison, but they they just, they didn't want him to be Charles Manson, I guess, so he's he's Charlie Hansen. All right. Like, everybody in the movie has the last name that starts with H instead of whatever letter it's supposed to be. <laughs> like, there's, like, Sharon Haight, mm. who was voiced by um, Kelly Osbourne. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I actually have heard of that, but I've never seen it. Yeah, like Davey Havoc is in it. Nick 13 is in it. thing we got for you guys is there's there's this company um speaking of zombie right it's it's a company called room escape adventures and if i'm if i'm correct this has actually been an ongoing thing um basically they lock you in a room and they give you 60 minutes to find out how to escape it i don't know the details i think there might be like hidden compartments and like basically you just have to go in and you move move around everything in the room and you you pull things you twist things uh you push things you you do everything you can to find out how to get out of this room um and i i believe recently they've changed formats to where you are trapped in a room with a zombie that is chained to the wall and every five minutes the chain gets a foot longer. This sounds pretty awesome, <laughs> I think. Um, it's a uh, it's an interesting idea. Yeah, I, I think this would be something that would just be fun. To, you know, you and your buddies just get together. I feel like out. this would be something that would be really good around Halloween. Oh, for sure. Um, but I mean, like to just go out with your like like I said, go out with your buddies on Saturday night and just go. And get in this room and try to find your way out while while you're trying to keep away from a zombie. Yeah. Um, So basically, if the zombie um, touches you, I think, uh, and obviously they're not going to actually bite you, (laughs) right? Um, But I think if the zombie trapped in a room with a lion was was turned down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they 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 rejected that idea. Yeah, they just couldn't get those lions under control. it, uh, they, they describe themselves as, you know, kind of an inspiration by shows like Fear Factor, Minute to Win It, Survivor, and The Amazing Race. Um, it's, they say that participants must use their wit, sleuthing skills, teamwork, and sheer determination to find clues, solve puzzles, and unlock a door within 60 minutes to escape a locked room. Participants become a part of a plot and a cohesive unit that actively controls the storyline of their adventure. 
Gone are the days when we only had the option to just go to a movie and watch the action unfold. With Room Escape Adventures, you get some skin in the game, and your friends get become part of, become the protagonists who race against the clock to determine your own fate. When you attempt a room escape for sixty minutes of for sixty minutes of your life, will become totally removed from your current world and focused on nothing but escape. The circumstances that are created bring bring about excitement, laughter, and ample amounts of adrenaline. Whether you escape or not, at the end of the day, you will have created a memory that will be etched into your mind for eternity. So, yeah, I, I just love this idea. I can't, I can't find any pictures of it to, like, see the room. I mean, I've, they probably don't want you to see the room. Right. But, you know, see what I wonder if they give you, like, a DVD afterwards. That would be, be really cool. cool to have. Of course, I mean, that might be also something they don't want getting out on the Internet. Sure. So. Um, and, of course, this is nowhere near us. No, it's not. It's like St. Louis, I think, is one of them. Yeah, locations are Chicago, Illinois, Columbus, Ohio, Dallas, Texas, Los Angeles, California, and New York, New York. So, for some reason, uh, Columbus is an important <laughs> city. <laughs> they must be based there or something. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a cool idea and I'd really love to do this but yeah like of course it's, it's nowhere near us um, I'm flying back to New York in May maybe I'll check it out <laughs> wait you're going to New York yeah before because uh, it's the, the same week that I'm going to Boston so I'm just going early that's right to go to New York hang out with my family got it and then go to Boston that weekend okay uh, yeah maybe you should I wonder if my brother would like that or if brother? that would be like too intense for him he's like five he's nine is he really? Wow. God. Actually, he'll be 10 by then. I'm getting old. Um, I don't know. Does it have an age thing on the website? Does it say... I don't see anything, no. For, no, no. But, uh, yeah, if, if this is something that sounds like it might interest you, uh, I would go to roomescapeadventures.com and uh, it, it tell you about themselves, locations, frequently asked questions, and a page that says, should you attempt to escape? <laughs> so, I mean, basically, if you can answer uh, yes to all these questions, then... <laughs> um, Probably, like, no no heart conditions and... It's actually, it's a, it's a little more tongue-in-cheek than that. Oh. Uh, specifically, say... If you want to kick butt water cooler story to tell Monday morning, then yes. If you if part of you has always wanted to know what it would feel like to be on an episode of The Walking Dead, then yes. If you think you're smarter than a zombie and want to prove it, then yes. If you're afraid of laughter, stepping into the unknown, and an insanely good time with friends, then no. Oh, all right then. <laughs> but, yeah, this sounds like cool thing and uh, I would very recommend very much recommend you guys in that's in those cities to uh, maybe go check it out um, I don't see anything on here as far as prices but I can't imagine it'll be all that much so go check it out it's uh, roomescapeadventures.com Continuing with the zombie theme, uh, there is a movie coming out in the vein of Sharknado, 
<laughs> and I guess Piranha to an extent, called Zombeavers. Yes, Zombeavers. And uh, it's it's what you think it is. Yeah, it, it, you, you can't infer anything <laughs> different than what it is. Right, it's not like a porno. <laughs> it's uh, <coughs> And it's actually, it's from the producers of The Ring, Cabin Fever, and American Pie. It's weird that those movies have the same producers. One of these things is not <laughs> like the other. Um, yeah, looks like the cast so far is Bill Burr, who I'm sure a lot of you, a lot of you probably know. He's he's a comedian, really crude. <laughs> uh, Courtney Palm, Rachel Melvin, it, and wasn't uh, Bill Burr on Breaking Bad? Yes. Okay, making sure I had the right person in my head. Um. Courtney Palm, Rachel Melvin, and Hutch Dano. Um, so yeah, this is this looks just stupid enough to see. I I think. Um, I mean, obviously you can't go in expecting a whole lot. Um, basically, it's about a group of college kids who have a riverside cabin and they're menaced by a swarm of undead beavers. Yep. And there's there's a picture on this news article. Of this beaver like busting through, it looks like it's probably like a dock, but it's like it's like The Shining, but with a beaver. Yeah, <laughs> and there there there's another image floating around where there's this there's a beaver who's cut in half, but his front half is actually still crawling after this girl. <laughs> um, I saw a movie poster that said um, it had it had quotes on it. It said, too much nudity and too much violence. And it said, filmmaker's mother. (laughs) (laughs) And it said, uh, something like this is a film for the ages or something like that. And it said, a supportive friend. (laughs) (laughs) So. And the tagline is, you'll all be damned. Oh, I get it. Oh, like a beaver. Like a beaver making a dam. Ha. Ha. So, uh. Yeah, check that out if you're into weird, stupid things. Yeah, it's it's recommended, like you said, like Sharknado, um, Big Ass Spider, those kind of yeah. just stupid monster weird movies. Weird creature features. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I'm. Is there is there a website? I don't know. Let's check. There is. It's google.com, <laughs> and then type in Zombievers. There you go. Um I'll probably see it <laughs> just because I have a, a sick curiosity. I'm not expecting much from it. I hope not. Probably I'll probably get a few cheap laughs out of it. I would think that's probably the best you can expect. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that looks that looks interesting. Like like you said, just go to Google and look up Zombievers. You'll find something about it. Okay, so uh, Eli Roth is working on a new film. And He's back! <laughs> yeah, and he, I mean, he hasn't directed in a long time. He's, he's been doing a lot of producing. And ri- yeah. And writing, I think, too. I think. What was the last thing that he directed? Shit. I don't even know. Nah. Yeah, no idea. But he is 
back in the director's chair. He is going to be making a movie called Knock Knock. Um, it's an original screenplay play that he co-wrote with uh, Nicholas Lopez and Guillermo Guillermo Amadella. <laughs> Amadito. Amoedo. Amoedo. That's what I said. What'd you hear? I heard Am- Armadillo. Armadillo. That's his name. Armadillo. <laughs> I don't think that's his name. <laughs> um, the story is uh, it follows two young girls who show up unexpectedly. Uh, yeah, Christ. This is at 4.30 in the morning. starting to kick me <laughs> in the ass. The story follows two young girls who show up unexpectedly, unexpectedly <laughs> at the home of a married man where they seduce him and wreak havoc on his perfect life. Um, looks like it's got a really pretty thin budget as far as uh, studio films go. Yeah, it's less than $10 million. Yeah, which sounds like a lot, but once you start factoring in special effects and, and things like that and, and unions... Uh, those things add up really quickly. So $10 million is not all that much. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what you can put together with that kind of budget. I From mean, the description, it kind of sounds like a sexier version of Funny Games. A little bit. Um, or I, it, it reminds me of um, kind of a combination of Funny Games and Hard Candy. I could see that. Yeah. So... Um, scheduled to start production in April um, and as far as uh, dates that's really all we know so far I mean I don't think there's a release date or anything attached to it um, do anything about a cast? nope okay not so, yet so yeah this is pretty new I mean I think this is yeah this is like just the initial announcement basically yeah I mean here we are on March 1st and I think it was just announced like a week ago yeah so um but this is probably something that we'll keep on top of, um, and as we, uh, you know, new things become available, we will inform all of you. So on a previous episode, we discussed uh, Constantine being made into a television show, and they have finally found their John Constantine, the quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. No, Ryan. that's oh, not him. Not that one? No. Oh, a different S- Matt Ryan. Taylor. A different guy whose name is also Matt Ryan right. is being cast as John Constantine. So yeah, Matt Ryan, who is not the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons, um, he is an actor. And he uh, was previously in, uh, he was in an episode of Vikings, that History Channel show, uh, Criminal Minds, mm. um, uh, nothing really big. Right. He, he actually, he does do the voice of Edward Kenway in um, uh, Assassin's Creed Four, which uh, I, I'm a big fan of those games, so... I thought that was kind of interesting. So he's going to play John Constantine. Um, the The TV show is based on the comics, not mm. on the movie. Right. Thank God. <laughs> um, the script is being written by Daniel Cerrone, 
I hope, who uh, was a writer for Dexter. Mm-hmm. I and, hope they're um, earlier, earlier seasons of Dexter, not the later ones. Yeah, I'm not sure which ones he wrote, but uh, David Goyer is going to be the executive producer who was an executive producer on Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. And the pilot will be directed by Neil Marshall, who directed uh, some Game of Thrones episodes, uh, Dog Soldiers, Doomsday. And um, it's Warner Brothers Television is putting it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do, what channel is this going to be on? Oh, uh, NBC. NBC. Uh, so, I mean, like, this is, I mean, this is just another sign that NBC is really ramping up their their horror-themed yeah, is this, do you know, is this going to be with that block? I don't know. I don't think they've really said, but I have to assume. It would make sense. So, I mean, they might they might split up that block and try to create two separate ones. True. Because, I mean, you have to assume this is probably going to be an hour-long show. Um, and, you know, prime time only lasts a handful of hours. So they've already got Grimm and assuming Dracula comes back. Um of course, there's also the possibility this might be like a mid-season replacement for something. Yeah. So, who knows? We'll see. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, it's nice because this guy is actually... Well, he's, he's not English per se. He's he's Welsh. But, you know, close enough. <laughs> um, as opposed to Keanu Reeves, who is not English... Despite what you may have seen in Dracula, <laughs> um, so it's cool to see that they're actually giving the John Constantine character uh, some respect. Yeah, um, and the show is actually going to be called Constantine and not Hellblazer, which is what the comic was called. Oh, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. Pretty amped up to see this because the the Constantine story is really cool. It's just it'd be nice to see it presented in a decent way for a change. Yeah, and in a, in a serialized form rather than just a single standalone film. Right. Next bit, uh, we have to report with a heavy heart. Um, as I'm sure most of you know, we lost Harold Ramis recently. Just and uh, like me and Tony aren't the kind of people that really get upset about celebrity deaths, but this one hurt us both. Yeah, I'm. I first, I think, I think you told me first. Yeah, and I was at work, and I just I sat at my work at my desk, just staring at my keyboard for a minute, just because I was so out. Yeah. Um, Harold Ramis was an amazing actor, an amazing director. Amazing writer. Um, amazing writer. He was just, he was a comedy legend. Um, but as far as horror, he uh, would be known as the man behind Ghostbusters. Yeah. Uh, Particularly and, as the character of Egon Spangler. Right. Um, and Ghostbusters 3 has been rumored for ever mm-hmm. and uh, Ernie Hudson says that 
it's, it's done. It's not going to happen now. That uh, Harold was the glue. There wouldn't be a Ghostbusters without Harold. There can't be another Ghostbusters without Harold. My fear was always that something would happen before we all got together. Right. Um, but the studio says, oh, yes, it will. Yeah, of course they do. Uh, Soulless assholes. Ramis was supposed to make a cameo along with Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. Bill Murray has been a holdout, so I don't know if they ever actually got him to sign on. I don't think they will now. I, I don't think they will now, no, definitely not. Yeah. I, mean, um, I think he will be personally insulted by this. Yeah. Because he, he and uh, Ramis, they're, like, very close friends. Yeah. I mean, they they go way back. I mean, and they work together on this, on Ghostbusters, on Stripes. Yeah. They work together a lot. Um. And yeah, I mean, just, I, I don't see him agreeing to something that Harold Ramis helped create, but isn't involved in. Right, and I mean, Ernie Hudson obviously is not going to be involved. Well, I, I don't, I don't know that he he doesn't say that specifically. <laughs> so well, that's true. But I mean, he says that there can't be another one without him, so he may. Yeah. But uh, so the only person that's we know for sure is going to be involved from the original is the the director Ivan Reitman which that that shocks me too i i just can't believe that he would do that's it. old news though he signed on a long time ago he I he guess. may change his tune but at the same time they may throw a contract in his face and say you owe us that's true um but yeah it's it's not scheduled to begin filming until at least 2015 if if it still moves ahead but the uh, the plan is that it's going to be about a new trio of Ghostbusters. Um, two names we've heard thrown about are Jonah Hill and Emma Watson. Whether they're, I don't think they're officially signed on. That's just was kind it of Emma rumors Watson. At this point. I thought it was Emma Stone. I have Emma Watson, but I think you're right. I think it was Emma Stone. Yeah, that Emma Watson does that doesn't sound. Emma right. Stone would make a lot more sense. Yeah, especially because they've worked together before. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I'm sure it's Emma Stone. Um, and it's it's being written by Lee Eisenberg and G. Gene Stepnitsky, who were writers on The Office. So, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen, but they they seem determined to push it through no matter what. Who, uh, who, who owns this uh, Touchstone? Uh, I don't know. Hmm. It's ugh, God. It's so sad. I mean. It's like, I mean, like, part of me feels like it would be a great tribute, but at the same time, it just, like, Ernie, Ernie Hudson's comment really says it all, that it, he was, the, he was the glue, and without him, it just doesn't seem right. Yeah. I, I, I it's just, this makes me just sad all over again. Um, I don't know, I... I, I don't think they should do this at all. I mean, I didn't really think they should do it in the first place. Because, you know, the, the original Ghostbusters, they're all old, fat. Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, shit, Ramus was 69. I, I had no idea he was that old. Yeah. I mean, Murray's 63. Ramus is older than Murray? Yeah. God damn. Um, so, I mean, they're all old farts now. I think the youngest might be Ernie Hudson. Is he younger than Aykroyd? I think so. I, I don't know for sure. Um, but, 
you can't have a Ghostbusters movie with them without them in it. And now that you physically can't have them all in it, it's like, oh, why would you do it? I mean, just the plot alone of making it about a new group of Ghostbusters just it just sounds like just a way to cash in. And oh, it's... absolutely. I mean, there's there's really no other explanation. Yeah, I mean, there there's no re- no other reason for it, and it's it's sad. Well, we're gonna miss you, Harold. We uh, we hope you're somewhere good now. Okay, so we'll try and uh, lighten things up here a little bit. Um, uh, so we all know that they've been working on uh, a movie for The Stand, um, which, which is uh, going to be produced by uh, Warner. Or it's being made by Warner Brothers and CBS Films. I think they're combining forces here. Um, but more recently, they've announced a new director. Um, well, I don't think he's actually signed on quite yet, but he is in talks to sign on as a new director. Um, the the movie previously had uh, Scott Cooper, uh, Ben Affleck, and David Yates attached to direct, but uh, apparently those all fell through um, and just never came about. So now they're talking to Josh Boone, who you might, well, you may or may not know, uh, uh, he directed uh, The Fault in Our Stars. Never which, heard of it. Um, you know what? I gotta say that I haven't either. Oh, because it's not out yet. will be released on June 6th. Ah, well, there we go. <laughs> but he did direct Stuck in Love, which I've also never heard of. Neither do I. I don't, I don't know this guy. <laughs> Alright, we're hitting the bottom of the barrel now. Yeah, what the fuck? Pretty soon they're going to be calling us, asking us to direct this movie. Done. <laughs> Sold. Give me $500, I'll direct it. <laughs> $500. <laughs> um, so this is a big undertaking for any director. Now, there there was a miniseries of The Stand, wasn't there? Yeah, back okay. in early early 90s, mid, mm-hmm. early mid-90s, somewhere in there. Uh, pretty star-studded cast. I mean, it had uh, Gary Sinise, uh, Molly Ringwald. Um, Rob Lowe, uh, and some other people I know, but I just, uh, Ray Walston, um, some of the people, yeah, like I said, I, I know them, but I just, I don't know them by name. Um, but anybody that's seen it, y- you know what I mean. Um, it, uh, so yeah, like I said, it's a pretty big undertaking because The Stand is such a big book. Uh, there was so much detail in it, and to try and capture all that detail in a, a film is like it's a big undertaking. Um, it's kind of like how we were talking about it being a, a big undertaking, and then like actually discussing splitting that into two films. 
so working on the stand, especially because it's it's um, it, it follows so many different storylines all at the same time, because there are so many characters. Just, I mean, there, there's got to be like a dozen main characters in it, and they don't actually come together into a unit until a certain point. So, I mean, I don't I don't envy the work ahead of anybody involved in this film. It says it's being developed by Roy Lee. I don't know if he's writing the script, but he's, he's apparently developing and producing. All right. I mean, if he's, if he's not writing the script and I don't know who is, but, um, yeah. Uh, who knows? I mean, uh, yeah, getting, getting that down to a, uh, you know, two hour movie is going to be tough. Oh yeah. Uh, like I said, I, I don't envy the the director or the, the screenwriter uh, in particular. Um, this, they've, they've got their work cut out for them. Uh, so, I mean, like, actually... See, I mean, the book The Stand was actually in three separate parts. Um, and for those of you not familiar with The Stand, basically what it is, it's, it's kind of a, a post-apocalyptic movie where um, a, a just this terrible virus just takes over the world and kills uh, about 99% of the population. There's just a handful of people left in the world. Um, and it just, like I said, follows several different characters on their trek to... Because different characters are being called called to in their dreams by these two people leading these separate factions and it's supposed to essentially represent the side of heaven and the side of hell so it's got a lot of religious connotation to it um, it's it's a, an amazing book it's a very challenging book to read um, so I guess if, if you want the summed up version uh, I might just check out the miniseries that uh, looks like it was 1994 that that came out how many episodes was it? I believe it was four hours total, so you've got to see maybe four episodes. Okay. Um, so, did, yeah. did you see it? Oh, yeah. Did it, like, cover the book pretty Well, I had well? actually seen that before I had read the book. Okay. Um, I think it covered about as well as you could, kind of similar to It. Right. Where there's just so much, so you just kind of have to get, you know, broad strokes in. Uh, and like, you know, fit in the smaller details where you can. But uh, all in all, yeah, I think they did a very good job. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what this film can produce. episodes ago, we briefly discussed the tele- upcoming television show, iZombie, 
and we talked about how stupid it sounded, <laughs> and uh, it turns out we were right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't know that for sure, but we've gotten further confirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the show is about a zombie who is forced to work in a mortuary. Uh, a, like a coroner's office, yeah. And, okay. And uh, or a medical examiner or something like that. We've learned that it's going to star Alexandra Krosny from Last Man Standing and Surviving Suburbia, and David Anders, who we discussed uh, at length in our Revenant review. Yeah, he's the, he's the, the star in the Revenant, and he, he stars as uh, Dr. Whale slash Dr. Frankenstein in Once Upon a Time. Um, I've, I had a lot of respect for him as an actor. I just don't know why he's wasting his time with this. <laughs> Must need a paycheck. I, I guess. Yeah, basically, uh, it sounds like the the zombie in question uh, eats people's brains to gain their knowledge, <laughs> which is yeah, essentially it's, it's, that's yeah. an old voodoo theory. Yeah, I mean, like the, the actual description is that she eats their brains, <clears throat> um, in order, and it, it, it gives them her, it gives her their memories. Um. So, of course, we discovered this is actually like a crime procedural. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Which just adds to the. I thought it was going to be a comedy. It probably does have some comedy elements to it. I would think. I mean, how can you not with a concept this dumb? But yeah, she eats their brains, gets their memories, and she helps solve murders. Oh God. <laughs> this just sounds so dumb. Yeah, because she has the corpse, like a murder victim's memories after eating their brain, she helps solve memories or solve uh, murders by doing that. <laughs> this needs to not happen. It's so dumb. I just don't know why they're doing this. <laughs> Because they hate us. I mean, like we've mentioned before, we we talked about this the first time. I mean, it's it's developed from a comic book, right? So, never read the comic, but I have to assume that it's probably equally as dumb. I uh, it, yeah, I would assume so. I mean, a fucking crime fighting zombie for Christ's sake. I mean, if you don't know. Tony and I, we won't go into it because we got way too much to talk about this episode, but <laughs> we, we could do a whole episode about just our feelings on zombies. We could do that. But basically, they don't talk, they don't think, they don't drive cars and... Wield weapons. Wield weapons, and, and, and they're also not particular about what part of you they eat. Yeah. They will eat every part of you to the bone. They, they don't exclusively need brains, and that's... I blame John Russo for that. Yeah. I mean, not to say that, yeah, like, zombie wouldn't eat a brain, but the idea of them knowing to get to the brain, knowing how, and having to utilize some kind of tool to open the skull, no. And calling for it. Yeah. I mean, like, there's been, like, 
ideas and concepts that zombies don't eat feet because they don't know how to take the shoes off. What? What? That's well, that's reasonable. I suppose. You're like, but still, like it's if you were barefoot, they're not going to be like, oh, I don't eat feet. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that they they can't eat the feet because they don't know how to take the shoe off. Oh, okay, yeah, that's. So yeah. it's the same thing. I mean, even even more so because it's a fucking piece of bone covering up your your brain. Right. So and, okay, we're getting into this. We <laughs> said we weren't going to, so we're gonna stop. Anyway, so we do, we don't know when the show starts. We don't really care. If you care, find it on your own. <laughs> So, um, a lot of you probably have to assume most of you saw the Evil Dead remake, directed by uh, Fide Alvarez, uh, and it's recently been announced that he is actually going to direct um, a couple episodes of the From Dusk to Dawn series, <clears throat> which is pretty awesome, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I liked his style in Evil Dead. Yeah. Um, Not the pilot, though. The pilot is being directed by Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. And actually, he Robert Rodriguez himself actually did a handful of episodes. Uh, oh, did he? In, including the pilot, yeah. Um, and so did uh, Eduardo Sanchez, who did uh, Blair Witch Project. Oh. So they got some pretty big names, you know, some, some high-class directors doing these um, episodes. Uh, I mean, it's it's a t- it's a total of ten episodes, so you have to figure if they each did three. You know, obviously, if you take three, at least three, um, three directors. You know, assuming like one has to direct f- a fourth one, right? Um, so I have these really high class directors directing this TV series. That's that's pretty awesome. Um, Is this has it started airing yet? No, I don't think so. No, it makes its debut on the LRA Network on March 11th. Oh, okay. So just in a couple of days here. Yeah. Uh, uh, which is going to be a Tuesday, so six days from from now. Um, from Yeah, from the day that this airs. Yes. Um, so, yeah, Fide Alvarez is working on a majorly bloody episode that appears to be set in the titty twister bar nice yeah so that should be really sweet um so contact your local cable provider and tell them you want el rey network yeah you can actually search uh again just go to google search el rey network they have their own website um and you actually can plug in your zip code and it'll tell you what channel it's on oh nice yeah so um oh and you have to like Plug in your service provider too. So if you have Dish or mm-hmm. Comcast or Time Warner or whatever. Um, so yeah, this should be pretty cool. I'm pretty excited to see the show. I, I was kind of apprehensive about it at first, but the more I hear about it, the cooler it sounds. Yeah, I'm so, in the same boat. Um, so I'm looking forward to that uh, and suggest you guys look into it and pull it up on the 11th.
Um, so kind of replacing Dexter almost on Showtime, I think. Um, they're working on a show called Penny Dre- Penny Dreadful. Um, it's which, an odd name. It, well, a, a Penny Dreadful was actually um, back in like Victorian times. It was just like um, like you know nickel comics or mm-hmm. nickel novels. Yeah, familiar with those. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing, except it is more like. Um, well, I guess it wasn't necessarily horror. It was essentially the same thing, just like a nickel novel huh. or a dime novel, whatever it's called. I haven't heard that term before. Yeah, I, th- I think it's more of a, a British term. Oh, okay. So, but um, in Penny Dreadful, some of literature's most famously terrifying creatures, including Dr. Frankenstein, Dorian Gray, and iconic figures from the novel Dracula, have become embroiled in Victorian London. The series is a frightening psychosexual thriller created, written, and executive produced by three-time Oscar nominee John Logan, who uh, worked on uh, Hugo, The Aviator, and Gladiator. So, you know, big-time guy working on this. Um, And it's executive produced by Logan's Desert Wolf Productions, along with Oscar winner Sam Mendes, who did American Beauty and Skyfall, and Pippa Harris... It was in Revolutionary Road, um, both of uh, Neal Street. Um, so this has got a, actually a, a good cast of um, stars in it, too. It's uh, starring Timothy Dalton. Um, James Bond. James Bond. Uh, uh, or Hot Fuzz. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, or for you Doctor Who fans out there, he actually played... Uh, the um, the president or president of Gallifrey in uh, End of the World, I believe it was called, uh, or End of Time. That's what it was. End of Time. Uh, Ava Green, who most recently was in um, Three Hundred, the Three Hundred sequel, uh, and she was she played the the Bond girl in Casino Royale. Uh, Josh Hartnett, who you obviously know from like. 30 Days of Night, Black Hawk Down. Uh, what else? He's been in a bunch of stuff. 40 Days and 40 Nights. There you go. Um, and Rory Kinnear, who was uh, in Sky- Skyfall and Quantum of Solace. Um, both Bond films, obviously. Um, so it looks like there's at least a couple Those people. are the two newest ones, right? Those are both the... Um, yes. The, uh... Daniel Craig. Thank you. Yeah, um, I b- believe Roy Kinnear's character is like a, an M or M MI five. Is that what it is? Mission Impossible five. No, like the my um, five. UK's version of CIA. Oh, okay. I believe he's some kind of agent. Uh, truth be told, I haven't seen any of the new Bond films all the way through. Um, not because I didn't want to. I just think I like had something to do and I couldn't finish it or something like that. But anyway, um, so this sounds, I think, pretty cool. Um, I'm I'm really interested in seeing this. Um, just to see them combine all these iconic characters all together in one. I'm intrigued by the word psychosexual. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that and I was like, that, that could mean so many things. Um, 
but I mean, who knows? I mean, uh, let's see. It looks like a lot of these people are, at least not, not necessarily people that I know by name, but maybe I'll, I'll just do a rundown here. Um, Rory Kinnear is actually playing Frankenstein's monster. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Harry Treadaway is playing the Dr. Frankenstein. Um, Reeve Carney is playing Dorian Gray. Uh, Olivia Lowen <laughs> is playing Mina Harker. What was that last name? Low, there's a lot of L's. Is it uh, Llewellyn? Uh, it's L-L-E-W-E-L-L-Y-N. Llewellyn. Okay. <laughs> Not Llewellyn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I tried to look up like a kind of a more specific theme or, or plot of the show, but it kind of sounds like because there's so many characters that follows several different plots. So, but I, I think if the idea of seeing these Victorian horror icons on screen interests you, then I, I would check it out. Um, you know what? I fucked up and I didn't get a release date. God damn it. Oh, Fuck. Okay, so it looks like it is going to start airing on May 11th, 2014, on Showtime. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'll check it out. I, you know, I, like anything, I mean, these, these horror theme shows are becoming so popular now. It's like, I th- I've heard it mentioned before on, like, other podcasts mainly, but TV is kind of becoming the new horror film. Yeah. Um, I mean, things like The Walking Dead, likely this. It's like this. Who said it? You know, it's, I think it was actually Joe Lynch on the the Movie Crypt podcast. He's actually said that uh, TV has become the new movie, like the new movie, because you, especially like on premium cable like Showtime, you can get away with so much more. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're not pushed into making a PG-13 movie like we mentioned earlier. Right. Um, so, uh, this will be interesting to see. Um, so yeah, May 11th on Showtime. Check it out. Um, I'll check it out too. Report back to you. Maybe you can leave us some thoughts when you see it too. Tell us what you thought. Hey, sorry for interrupting this great podcast you're listening to. But I'm Cody from Yeah, A Lot of People Like That, a great new movies podcast. Myself, along with my co-host Charlie, sit down and attempt to catch up on some movies that have passed us by. Recent episodes include box office hits such as The Avengers and Silver Lang's Playbook, along with some smaller movies such as Cabin in the Woods and I Saw the Devil. Join us as we give a second opinion on movies, while also talking recent movies, movie trailers, movie news, and just pretty much anything else we want to talk about. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. You don't have to search the whole long name of the show. We made it simple. Just search Yelpcast. That's Y-A-L-P-C-A-S-T. Yelpcast. Nice, short, and simple. Give us a listen. You won't regret it. Now back to your regular scheduled program. Old business is old business, and new business is new business. Yep. 
And that's it for horror business. So, since we're, where are we at right now? Oh god, we're at an hour and a half already. Okay, so we're going to jump right into our reviews. Up first will be the movie that I selected, which is from 2012, written and directed by the Soska Sisters. It is American Mary. I quit med school today, but that shouldn't come as a surprise to you. What's this? It's my resume. No, you don't need it to work here, but it is nice to find out some of your dirty secrets. Want to be a doctor? Surgeon. Follow me. What do I have to do? Yeah, we prefer if Rat was not to die tonight. You can put the bed down, Dr. Mason. I'm just a desperate woman looking for help. What exactly does she want me to do? So, like I said, this is written and directed by Jen and Sylvia Soska. Um, it stars Catherine Isabel, who you might recognize from Ginger Snaps or Freddy vs. Jason. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, most, most recently she's been on um, uh, Being Human, the, the American version of Being Human. Oh, okay. She plays uh, Aiden the Vampire, plays his wife. Uh, I'm still trying to catch up on the new episode, so I'm not exactly sure how she, because she's supposedly died back in like the Revolutionary War time. So still trying to figure out why she is around still. But anyway. Alright. <laughs> uh, quick synopsis. The movie is basically about a uh, med student. She's studying to become a surgeon. And in order to make ends meet, she starts doing body modifications. Mm-hmm. And she kind of lets that side take over. And... uh does some twisted shit. Yeah. And uh, it was really kind of prompted. I don't know, is it is it a spoiler to say what prompted it? What, that she needed money? Well, aside from that, what kind of pushed her over the edge? Mm, maybe. Okay, we'll leave it out then. Um yeah, it's weird because at at the beginning she's talking, she keeps telling people how her phone is shut off, mm-hmm. but she's talking on her phone. See, I thought that was weird because, like, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, she, okay, she's trying to negotiate with the student loan people. I'm familiar with that. <laughs> um, but then she said, oh, well, uh, your your service was shut off, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, wait, she's talking to a cell phone company? Well, they don't actually say it's phone? cell phone. They just say it's 
your phone service. So it could be a home line, but at the same time, she's also on the internet, and usually those two are connected. Yeah. So I really don't know what service was being shut off because it wasn't her cell phone and apparently wasn't her home phone. Uh, I don't know. I missed the beat on that one. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so to make money, she uh, she well, she starts out applying for a job at a strip club, mm-hmm. and then that turns into uh, having to do a backroom surgery. Yeah, I mean, is that? The guy that runs a club, I mean, obviously he runs a strip club, so he's a sketchy guy. Right. Which he he, he actually turns out to be kind of an okay guy later on in the movie. Yeah. Um, aside from his sketchiness, but he's kind of got a heart of gold. <laughs> um, he's got a sweet nougaty center. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, when she's doing the quote-unquote job interview... Right. Uh, you know, she mentions that she's training to be a surgeon. Uh-huh. She brings a resume. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then the bouncer or whoever from the strip club comes in and says, you know, we, I need you right now. Yeah. So then he comes back and he tells her, he says, you know, how close are you to being a surgeon? Yeah. So he takes her in this back room and this guy is just bleeding all over the place. Yeah, you have to assume it's because he got his ass kicked by these guys. Yeah, it looked like he might have been stabbed or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that, that kind of sets her on a path a little bit. Yeah, she starts realizing that she can make money off the books mm-hmm. by doing these super sketchy things. Yeah, I should mention that like, even though she is a medical student, she appears to be like she's kind of like almost at the top of her class. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think she mentioned that she is like kind of just short of doing her residency. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, um, but yeah, then what really gets her on the path of the whole body modification thing is she gets approached by this woman named Beatrice. Is this the thing you were going to say? No. Okay. Um, who, her mission in life is to be a real life Betty Boop. Which I didn't see it. I just think she looked like a creep. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's hard to make someone look like a cartoon character. Sure. But yeah, I mean, it, she definitely had a lot of surgeries. Yeah. Um, she, she had the Betty Boop voice down. Yeah, which is weird because, like, well, she calls Mary initially. Like, you don't actually see her face. So it's like, why is she talking like that? Yeah, it's like, who the fuck talks like that? It was just, like, 1940s, uh, you know, uh romantic comedy or something. <laughs> but yeah, then it all kind of makes sense when you finally meet her. And right. She says that, you know, she wants to look like Betty Boop. Yeah. And like, that had to have been makeup. That couldn't be real. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I was actually looking up the actress and then I, she hadn't been in anything else. Oh, really? Yeah, so there was no like pictures of her. Hmm. Otherwise, but so I, I really don't know if it was makeup or if she actually just has a chopped up face. Because it, it looked like she was wearing a mask. Yeah, like like from her cheekbones. It kind of looked like one of those like clear plastic masks, yeah. like in The Purge. Yeah, exactly. It's funny, actually. You know what? Uh, the other girl, um, the Ruby? blonde girl, Ruby. She like looking at her. She looked like that mask that guy wore. Yeah, she, like she had her purge. her smile was like pulled back and. 
Yeah. The, the high cheekbones. And exactly. Yeah. I've actually I got that in my notes here. Um, yeah, it's a character named Ruby Real Girl, who her mission in life is to be a living doll. Right. She wants she wants to be a real life Barbie doll. Yeah. At one point, he she like how she's actually introduced to Mary is that Beatrice kind of refers her and says, or she says, I want you to, essentially she says, I want you to remove my nipples and sew up my vagina as much as possible. Yeah. Which is just fucking weird. Yeah. (laughs) Like, how do you live? What's the scary thing is, is like, there are people really like this in the world. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is not entirely fantasy. And it's like, I'm sitting there wondering, you know, um, Mary, she's kind of giving up her life, or not, not her livelihood, but like her, her life and her soul and her personality and all that. She's giving it up for this. And I'm just thinking, is this actually worth it? I mean, is this weird shit going to really like be, be worth it to, you know, just to earn some money? Apparently, she she thought so. Anyways, I guess. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, I I can definitely understand being under some crippling debt, <laughs> um, but I just don't know that I could bring myself to go this far. Um, as far as you were talking about how like this is, you know, there are people like this. Uh, in like doing some research on this movie, I found out that a lot of people in this movie are actually like body modified like they're part of the the bod mod community mm-hmm. um like the the guy who's referred to as penis guy right. <laughs> that is his actual penis oh really yeah and that is so awful you know what um i actually couldn't tell what was done to it it, it was splayed Okay. I mean, I I know that people do that, but oh, oh god! But why? Yeah. I mean, that's there's there's just some body modification that I just cannot wrap my mind around. I mean, people getting things like, you know, I mean, at the most basic level, getting piercings, um, but then getting like implants or um, not like breast implants, like. Like uh, she calls skin implants. Like uh, people get them on their forehead, or yeah, basically like ball bearings that they put under your skin. Well, they're, they're like like silicone or something, like right? That. But um, yeah, um, I think she called them like three D implants. Yeah, I think I've never heard them to heard of them referred to that before, referred as that. Um, but then you get into like a more extreme shit of people that like to have like parts of their body amputated like there was one guy that had his, his hand amputated yeah like she calls it voluntary amputation yeah why I, I mean the, the, that's like a sign of like body dysmorphic disorder yeah and that's that's like a serious condition in like obviously she's doing this behind closed doors and under the table and mm-hmm. but Understandably, that's why these people are going to her because there's no legitimate doctor that would ever do something like that. Right. 
Um, they actually probably just recommend a psychologist. <laughs> right. Uh, but shit like cutting your dick in half or, you know, filleting it <laughs> yeah. like a fish, that's fucking insane. It's, yeah, there's no other word. I, I really, I mean, like, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and, like, badmouth the, the body modification community, but I just, I don't get it. Yeah, there, there are just some things. There's just, like... I, there's there's some people that are just always looking for that next extreme. I, I, I guess. I mean, there I, there's actually um, something that people do where they will cut their dick in half. Like, <laughs> I, I think they'll favor their urethra to one side or the other, but essentially they'll have, like, two half dicks. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I was just floored when I first heard of that, um, that somebody would actually do that to themselves. I just, I, I don't get it. Yeah, but, me neither. I mean, same, same, same as you said, I don't want to insult the, the modification community, but just, that's just something I can't wrap my head around with doing things like that. Yeah. Um, so, and then I mean, Mary, like, kind of goes off the rails and gives, certain people body modifications that they haven't requested right and uh like i don't mean like somebody comes in and says i want my tongue split and she cuts their dick in half sure i mean like people who don't want anything done and she's doing things yeah well it's a it's a bit of it's a bit of revenge a bit yeah uh that's all i'll say about that um yeah i mean this isn't necessarily a horror I mean, it, it it is categorized as a horror, but like even uh, Catherine Isabel said herself that she doesn't think of it as your typical horror movie. It's more of a, I don't know, it's a little too extreme to call it just a thriller. I think. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, there's there's a decent amount of gore, but there's not a high body count. Yeah. Um, but there's no real like tension. There's no there's no fear really. Mm. And like at the end of it, I I found myself thinking. What was I supposed to feel watching this? Yeah. Like, is Mary the hero or the villain? Maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. And like you were saying, like, I was thinking, is this a revenge film? Because in a, in a way it is. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's not a stereotypical one in the vein of I spit on your grave or sure. something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like, um, Harvey Dent said in Dark Knight Rises. No, sorry, The Dark Knight. Um, he says you either die a hero or live long enough to become the villain. So it's kind of, I think it kind of treads that water a little bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, at one point the Soska sisters are in the movie. Yeah. Just, and they, uh, they, they want their left arms switched. That's obviously the most intense part of the movie is the... What, what they want the modification they want done is they want to switch arms with each other yeah which is just not something you can just do right <laughs> like you have to be very precise in where your cuts are or else you're going to have you know one arm longer than the other for on one person and shorter on the other yeah uh, I noticed the where they cut it it was like the bicep is, yeah it was like the upper half of the bicep you would think you would the, go with the shoulder yeah um, you know because we're professionals in this sure well, I mean, maybe take, I don't know, maybe it's easier to match up a piece of, you know, end of a bone 
rather than to match up a joint. Oh uh, yeah. So I guess I guess that can make a little more sense. I was thinking about like severed muscles, but I guess I suppose that's probably easily repaired. Um. But yeah, they they played some intense characters. Yeah. Which like I like they had their teeth filed. Yeah. I thought just, they just had fucked up teeth at first, but I'm like, oh wait, no, they did that on purpose. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, like I had to go and like Google pictures of them to see if they actually had their teeth filed because they it looked like it. I didn't look like a piece over their teeth. It yeah. looked like that was their teeth. I, I don't think they do. I I, I don't think so. <laughs> um. You know, I, I thought it was funny that a good part of this movie takes place inside a strip club. And there's almost no nudity. Yeah. I mean, like, the movie was almost over when I finally realized that. But aside from, like... There's there's a lot of near nudity. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, when, when uh, uh, Ruby wants to have her nipples removed, like, you can see, like, a Mary, like, marking her mm-hmm. decision. Yeah. Uh, Incision placement, uh, but it's definitely not in any kind of sexual way. No, there's just a nipple. Yeah, um, and then oh, Beatrice is actually a dancer at the strip club. Right. That's how she actually got referred to Mary. Mm-hmm. That's how I think. Um, what was the club club owner's name? Billy. Billy. I think must, Billy must have given her Mary's information because she's a dancer at the club, and I. Used, she was topless at one point, but right. aside from that, yeah, it's, it's I don't know, the, the type of movie, it's like, it's not, like you said, it's not sexualized at all, so it's like, I think that's probably why it took me to like almost the end of the movie to finally realize, like, I've seen more strip club than anywhere else in this movie, and I've seen almost no boobs, so, but it's like, I almost felt like I didn't want to see boobs, <laughs> for fear of what might happen to them. Yeah, really. <laughs> Um, one scene I want to talk about is the the party scene. Yeah, see, like, that, that was the part that I was talking about leaving out because I wasn't sure. Well, I mean, I don't want to get into like the spoilers of it. I just want to just that scene in, in particular where like she comes into the party and she, she's clearly the only woman in this area of the party. Yeah, like the guy says, you know, oh, people are in other rooms and stuff, but. And then he offers her a drink, and, and it's like, your first instinct has got to be, can I offer you a roofie and Coke? Yeah. And, uh, you know, not to give away too much, but that obviously is the case. And uh, I, I, I want to coin the term video raped. That's okay. Trademark. Yeah. Patent pending. Great <laughs> plot podcast. Um, and I put... Disturbing, not because it's super graphic, but because he keeps putting his fingers in her mouth and grunting like a dreaming dog. <laughs> yeah, it was very awkward. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, and that's, that was another, I mean, obviously, only some sick fuck would get some kind of weird pleasure out of watching somebody get raped. Yeah. Whether it be real or fake. Right. But, again, just not sexualized in any way. Yeah. Um, it we, definitely didn't seem like... Like it... Yeah. 
I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> um, you know, throughout the movie, usually when she was uh, operating on someone, um, in the background they'd be playing uh, Ave Maria. And, like, I'm not a huge opera fan, I but I, I like a select handful of songs. That was that's actually one of my favorite, but it's like just, now it's ruined. Yeah, whenever she's they, they play it, whenever she's operating, doing something just awful to someone. Yeah, now I'm just gonna associate that with this movie. <laughs> yeah, and so I don't know if it's necessarily ruined, but I'm definitely it's definitely skewed it for me a little bit. You're gonna have some fucked up visuals whenever you hear it. Yeah. Um. And then one other part I want to talk about is there's a part where Billy kidnaps a guy. Yeah. And he's, he's like, beating him up. And those punch sound effects were, like, the most realistic punch sound effects I've ever heard in a movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, God, I don't even know how to describe, like, the, the basic punch sound effect. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, normally, like, it sounds like a slap Almost. Yeah, the, the way my dad always describes it is like taking two leather shoes and just slapping them together. Yeah, that's kind of. But like in this one, it just. I, I would love to know what the foley artist did. Uh, the only thing I can imagine is that I've actually taken this. I've actually given this thought. It's like if I were to ever, you know, direct a movie, like how I would create certain sounds, um, especially if like I hear like a really unrealistic sound effect in a movie um the way the only thing I can think of is that he bought like a rump roast and he yeah. just started punching it next that, to that's exactly what I was thinking it was just like punching like a slab of ground beef or something yeah. <clears throat> oh something I forgot to mention with the party is that that weird Asian guy what a creep that led her to the door and she's like are you a surgeon and he's like I'm a fucking motherfucker yeah <laughs> what It's like, so are you? Is that a yes? <laughs> and then, yeah, he was weird. Yeah, and he was he was in the movie for a total of like two minutes. Yeah. So it's like I don't really understand Just the point of the character. Weird enough to creep you out. Yeah. It's like I, I very. And she was actually invited to the party by one of her um, resident doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was it was a surgeon party. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think in the movie they could have just as, easy, just as easily had one of her residents answer the door for her. Yeah, I really don't know what the point of that guy was. Yeah. Um, and, like, as we actually talked about this um, before we started recording. I had no clue that it was in Seattle until, like, the movie was almost over. Yeah, like, at no point do they show, like, a skyline with the Space Needle or yeah. make any mention of it until the, like, last 15, 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like to, you know, when they say it, it kind of makes sense because, I mean, as any Seattleite knows, uh, it's permanently gray here. Yeah, oh, yeah. And so it, it was just, it was always gray. Uh, and it, it wouldn't be super weird for body modification. No, not at all. I mean, you don't see a lot of super extreme stuff. 
Um, but I mean, like the Jim Rose Freak Show is from Seattle, right? Uh, and at least from my impression, it seemed like a lot of the more like the body modification stuff that seems to be a little more down south, like towards Olympia. Okay, that seems really popular down there. Um, but yeah, there is sh- certainly no shortage of it up here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was funny because it was actually Billy. Who offers to take Mary on a road trip down to LA? That's funny. She says, "He's like, what you do is you leave Seattle, and you drive down to Redding, and you stay the night there, and then you pick up from Redding and you drive down to LA." That's funny because that's every time I take a road trip down to LA, that's exactly what I well, do. Yeah, that's what we did a couple <laughs> years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, Redding is just like the perfect midpoint, and I think that the town is kind of set up that way. Um, I thought it was funny though because he also says, uh, or you can stop in Sacramento, but Sacramento is like three hours from Reading. It's like a drive through three Redding hours. Reading should have that like day. on the sign. It should be like, welcome to Reading, crash here on your way to LA. <laughs> um, but yeah, like when he said that, I was like, whoa, what? And I like started like Googling. Yeah. And I found something that actually said like a Seattle area surgeon or something mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a plot description. I was like, <laughs> but of course it's filmed in Victoria, B.C. Of course. Which is probably why they didn't show any skyline. Of course, I mean, I guess they could have gotten some stock footage, but... Yeah, that's what we were saying last episode about... How, well, the, like, uh, the Soska sisters are actually Canadian, so... Oh, I guess that makes some sense, then. Yeah. But yeah, we were talking about last episode how Vancouver and Victoria are kind of like... You film there and call it whatever city in the Northwest you want. Yeah. Um, same with... Uh, like you film in Toronto and you can call it New York. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, won't discuss the ending obviously, but it was really quick. Yeah. It was very sudden. Yeah. And a little anticlimactic, I think. Mm hmm. Um, I don't know. It wasn't bad, I guess. Uh, I just think, I think, I think I expected more. Especially because they they'd spent so much time kind of building up these characters, and especially building up kind of like a, a relationship between Mary and Billy. I mean, not necessarily them actually having a relationship, but the the, the connection between the two of them. Yeah. For it to not really develop more. Yeah. I don't know. Anything else to say? Uh, no. I have Mary is basically the more sadistic Dexter. Yeah, I could see that. Because, like we're saying, she does these modifications to people that don't want them. So it's kind of at one point the guy says to her, like, you know, don't don't ever be ashamed of the things you do. Just make sure that they deserve them. Yeah, that was that was the point that kind of made me relate it to Dexter. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, the the people that are the first person she does it to who doesn't really want it, uh, she actually uses him to kind of build her portfolio. Yeah, which I thought was sadistic, but but funny at the same time. Um, so anyway, uh, so yeah, it's it's definitely got a lot of. 
sick visuals. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't classify it as torture porn, but it's... Not exactly, no. It's it's close to that realm, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I found it engaging. It it was you know it kept my interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I thought it was paced well. Uh, but at the same time, it like I said, it didn't. At no point did I feel fear. Yeah. It, it didn't feel like I I couldn't really relate to any of the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I'm gonna give it a five. Okay. Um, well, on the flip side, I, I could relate to Mary to a certain extent, just like I said, being under student, student loan debt and just having it like, well, sure. In the, in the, if the first, you know, third of the movie or so, but then she just kind of becomes sick and twisted. Yeah. She's she kind of goes off the, the rails. Doing, it's not just a matter of making money. Yeah. 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 But I mean, to that extent where it's like, I can understand her. Uh, going to some extreme measures, at least initially. Sure. I could kind of relate to that. Well, obviously I wasn't <laughs> doing anything like that, but um, just kind of being desperate for money. Um, I, I kind of felt the pain a little bit. Um, so I, I guess, um, contrary to you, I, I could relate to at least one character a little bit. Um like you said, yeah, it, it was engaging. It, it it did hold my attention pretty well. Um, over, overall, I enjoyed it. Um, and like we said before, I I wouldn't call it horror at all. But I I kind of put it in the same classification as a more tame and more controlled um, hostile sort of. I could see that. Um, and so, because I enjoyed it, and I honestly think if, you know, one day I might, might watch it again, if I'm, you know, born one day, and, uh, I, yeah, I'd probably pull it up again at some point. Um, so, that being the case, um, I think I will probably give it a seven. All which right. is weird because I don't think I've rated a movie that high in a while. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's definitely worth a watch. I I recommend it. Um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, I I assume there's a DVD. Um, it's available on Netflix. Yeah. Um, so check it out. All right, next up uh, is the movie I picked, and I don't know. <laughs> I kind of think I kind of regretted it a little bit. Anyway, uh, I picked Nurse. <laughs> Abby, this is my boyfriend, Steve. Hi. Abby Russell. Want to meet up later tonight? Just us girls. Here you go. I texted him from your phone as you spend the day with me. Abby, I have to go. Danny, is there something going on between you guys? Since when did you guys become close? We're not. 
She thinks we are. You know, you look really familiar. You look like my next door neighbor, Sarah. They put her in Sunnyview Institute when she was just a kid. Yes, my spell and So this is, I said it was Nurse, but I think it's actually Nurse 3D. Well, like, in the credits, it's, it just lists it as Nurse. Right. But um, yeah, it is it is billed as Nurse 3D. Yeah. I watched it in 2D. Yeah, so did I. Um, which is really the only way to watch a movie, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of 3D, personally. Yeah, maybe one day we'll go into our hatred of 3D. But uh, it's uh, from 2013... Uh, is directed by Doug Arnikowski. Sure. Let's yeah. go with that. Uh, written by David uh, Lowry. Um, this movie has, uh, it stars, uh, Paz de la Huerta as the main character, Abby. Well, one of the main characters, I guess. The movie's. The nurse. Yeah, the, the, the uh, titular nurse. Um, uh, Katrina Bowden, who you guys would know, or Pazla de la Huerta, I believe, is from, uh, I think she's in Boardwalk Empire, I think. Oh, really? I don't watch that, so I, Neither I do I. I just, I think that's what she's from. Like, yeah. Um, and then there's Katrina Bowden, who you would probably most recognize from 30 Rock as... Serene. Serene, thank you. Um... Or sex drive. Right. <laughs> Miss uh, Tasty. Um, and uh, Corbin Blue, who I believe was... Who who was he? Oh, is her boyfriend. Oh, that guy. Yeah. And he was in... Looks like he was in High School Musical. <laughs> He's the black kid from High School Musical. Okay. Anyway. Uh, and it has the, the pastor from Saved. Pastor from Saved. I don't yeah. think I've seen that. Oh. He he was uh Danny's stepdad. Oh, got it. Um Oh, you know what? I have seen that. With um Cole Culkin? Yeah. Yeah. I like how I pick out that name. Right. Not <laughs> not um Mandy Moore or right. uh <laughs> oh, Jenna Malone. Alright. Um Oh, and uh Judd Nelson. Oh, in this, yeah, 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 he's fucking harsh. <laughs> okay, so basically, this movie um, it it's, picks up where Katrina Bond's character, Danny, Danny, uh, she graduates from nursing school, mm-hmm. um, and she's kind of taken under her wing by this veteran nurse, Abby, who is played by Pasta Huerta, um, and. So she kind of starts showing her the ropes a little bit, but her life, well, I would say her life, Abby's 
way of life starts to unfold, but it kind of does that right away. Like, first scene in the movie, yeah, she kills someone. And it's kind of like her thing that she kills cheating married men. Right. Um, and so, like I said, she kind of takes Danny under her wing. Um, but then they start to get a little cl- too close. Uh, Naked. Yeah. Um, they get they go out to a club. Abby roofies her, or roofies Danny, uh, and they they bring home this guy. And they, I think Danny fucks him, or Danny does fuck him, um, and she is actually in a pretty serious relationship with I said like Corbin Blue. I think Stephen was that his name? Uh, yeah, um, Stephen. Stephen. <laughs> uh just the guy, he looked like um, Russell Wilson's wimpy little brother. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I didn't, but now that you mention it, I can totally <laughs> see it. Um, so, yeah, it, it basically, uh, Danny kind of rejects Abby's advances. Uh, and Abby, obviously, because she's a little insane, doesn't little? take it very <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't take it very well and um, starts to essentially ruin Danny's life, uh, killing people along the way. Um, so, uh, this uh, movie was... I don't know. I thought it was kind of boring. What did you think? I agree. Yeah. Um, I was actually surprised when it ended and I realized it was only like 72 minutes long. Was it really? It seems so much longer than that. I know, right? God. I, I, the way the amount of promotion that this movie got, I was going to say, I, I would have thought it'd be better, but I guess I should have known better because the movies that get the most promotion are the ones that suck. True. So maybe I'll keep that in mind for future <laughs> reference. Um, Uh, let's see. So let's let's talk about Paz de la Huerta. Uh, Butterface. Oh, totally. Well, I have her hair as she's kind of a two face. Sometimes she looks all right. Sometimes she looks fucking busted. I, uh, I just saw the one face and it had <laughs> butter on it. <laughs> um, kind of a banging body though, though. Yeah, and you see it a lot. Yeah, she was not shy. And I think that's kind of a theme on Boardwalk Empire, too. Oh, really? Yeah, she's just... She may as well just be naked all the time. At one point in this movie, she, like, gets completely naked except for her bra. Right. She actually... She does it a couple times. It's so weird. I I don't... Like, I could understand stripping down to her bra and panties. Yeah. But I, she takes off her panties and leaves on her bra. Yeah, I, uh... You're... In the movie, you see her bare ass and her crotch. I mean, not like spread eagle, obviously, right. but you see her bare ass and her crotch more than you see her boobs. Yeah. And this, I mean, this is marketed in a very sexual movie. Well, yeah, a lot of the marketing, like, I remember there was, like, sidebar ads on Bloody Disgusting, and it was just, like, her butt naked, covered in blood. Yeah. <laughs> I I had to block the background images of Bloody Disgusting 
at work because yeah, I had kept, a couple times where I went to it at work and I was like, oh fuck, yeah, I that kept popping up. I'm like shit, so I just had to block the background images. It's like I work in an office by myself, so I mean, but there's always that risk that somebody's going to walk in. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just couldn't have that. <laughs> anyway, um. So yeah, this is definitely like I said. Um, put out to be a very sexual film, which it, it was to a, to an extent. Um, uh, satisfied probably a lot of uh, 30, 30 Rock fanboys' dreams. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Katrina Bowden doesn't do full frontal, but you get a nice long look at her at her bare ass, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. <laughs> um So, and you, you you find out that Abby like physically gets off on killing these guys. Yeah, um, yeah. She says she she causes a car accident mm-hmm. at one point, and then she says that I could feel moisture. Yeah, or you something. could feel moisture dripping down my leg or running down my leg. Yeah, and it's like, ugh. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I guess he made me come after all. Yeah. Um, so she's, I mean, she's twisted. She, she is, she's really fucked up and it's kind of, it is actually kind of all explained by the end of the movie, like why she is the way she is. Maybe, I mean, the, the, the reason you might think, okay, that's a little extreme and somebody has to be already unstable for, for that kind of occurrence to set them off like that. Yeah. But it is ex- explained to a certain extent. Um, oh, this movie also starred Niecy Nash from... Oh, yeah, from uh, uh, Reno 911. Reno 911, yeah. And she was obviously kind of the... the, the comic the, relief. The comic relief is, say, like the, the token black sassy lady. Yeah. Um which you know, obviously that was her. That was her shit on um, Reno. Uh, Reno nine one one. So she she knows that role pretty well. Um, throughout the movie, there's this narrative. Ab- Abby's narrative. She's she's doing this inner model kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think I could have done without that. It it did seem unnecessary at points. Yeah, it, it, a lot of times it was distracting. Yeah, I suppose because it's like. I don't know. It's like you want to try and keep up with what she's saying and then also what's going on on screen. And a lot of times she's just essentially talking about what she's doing on screen. Yeah. But the fact that you have to try and balance both of those so often, it just gets really distracting. And sometimes you kind of drift away from the movie itself a little bit. True. So, yeah, I I really think I could have done without that. And... um, Uh, as I mentioned, Judd Nelson's in this. He plays kind of like the. Is he, he's like the head resident. I guess. Or yeah. Like, I mean, they don't. I don't think they ever explain exactly who he is, but he's definitely some kind of hot shit doctor. Yeah, he's like the, the senior doctor in this hospital. Right, and he's got the mustache to prove it. <laughs> I'm just wondering who thought he was bright for this role. It's like, damn it, we got to have Judd Nelson. <laughs> don't bring me anybody but Judd Nelson. You think it was that? I think it was like, oh, Jed Nelson's available. <laughs> oh, okay, when is he not available? <laughs> the 80s? 
Touche. <laughs> um, you know, I was talking about how sexualized this movie is. Uh, talk about how the nurses are dressing. Have you ever seen nurses dress like that in any Absolutely hospital? Not. Yeah. <laughs> any hospital or doctor's office, anywhere there's nurses, nurses are wearing scrubs. Scrubs, yeah. Uh, but the, I mean, probably the last time I would, I would guess that nurses were wearing outfits like this around the hospital regularly was probably in like the 50s or the 40s. Yeah, it's like the, like the stereotypical sexy nurse outfit. You know, yeah. it's like the, the white coat, short skirt, thigh highs, really. Yeah. Well, that was mainly Abby, I think. But Abby. Yeah, and Danny. Did Danny do it too? Yeah. Okay. Um, and thankfully, Nisi Nash did not. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like even they're wearing um, those like nurse hats. Yeah, the little paper hats. Yeah, for some reason, I've never seen a nurse wear those. Yeah, like this was supposed to be current day, but it's like, like you said, nurses haven't dressed like that in yeah. years. I mean, this takes place in New York, in obviously a very old hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's a real hospital. I mean. I don't know. It may have been filmed at a real hospital. I don't know, but obviously the, the name they gave it does not exist, I would assume. Right. Um, but yeah, this place is really old and like not modernized in really any way. Right. Like even like, uh, well, I guess you say like maybe like the operating rooms. Obviously you gotta keep some modern technology in there, but like the patient rooms and stuff, really old, old looking. And yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I didn't, aside from just trying to further the sexuality of the movie, I don't understand why you address the nurses that way. I'm sure that's all it was. Yeah. Um, you know, unless Judd Nelson's character had a role in it. <laughs> in <the laughs> Which decision. could be. He was kind of a dick. Yeah, he, he is the kind that would, like, coerce his, his nurses into fucking him. Yeah. Uh, and then she has this neighbor named Jared, um, who's played by Adam Hirschman, who was in Accepted. Yeah. He's really the only thing I recognize him from. Uh-huh. But he's a fucking weirdo. He is. <laughs> Total creeper. Yeah, he's like in love with her, but like, you know, too shy to actually ever make a move. Mm-hmm. So it's like she'll get out of the elevator and he'll pop out of his apartment and be like, oh, I thought you were a, a robber or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's very protective of her. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, she ends up using to her advantage. Yeah. And I think throughout the movie... Because she's an evil bitch. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I think throughout the movie, up, I mean, up until that point, um, rather than just shut him down, I think it seemed like she was kind of consciously... Um, Stringing him along. Yeah, keeping him on the back burner. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because he would, like, come running out of his apartment with a bat. Yeah. So... Um, and uh, I forget exact oh um, well shit I can't really mention this plot point but the police are involved I mean obviously a movie full of murder the police are going to be involved at some point Um, there's this one I'm looking over my notes there's a lot of stuff that's going to be hard to talk about yeah Um, but there's this one detective um, who is trying to solve this case that I can't talk about. Um, 
and it has to do with Danny and as the relationship between Danny and Abby deteriorates um, Danny starts kind of or, uh, sorry Abby starts selling Danny out to the police and a lot of these things are just so obvious I'm sitting there like almost the entire time that the this detective's involved in the movie I'm just thinking how can you be a fucking detective and be so goddamn inept this shit is right in front of you and you're just looking past it um so I thought that was a bit well I don't know I mean you lived in New York were the police that inept (laughs) um I mean I didn't have a lot of interaction with detectives well I should hope not (laughs) uh I'm sure you watch the news and stuff though I mean NYPD kind of had a history of shoot first, ask questions later. That's true. But, um. Of course, SPD has kind of developed that too. Oh, only if you're a minority. Yeah. Uh, but. Oh, we went there. Oh! We went political on your ass. But, um, now as far as detectives, I don't really know. But, I mean, you do find out that he, you know, is interested in Abby, so I'm sure sure that he was somewhat thinking with his dick. To an extent, yeah. But, I mean, still, he's still a cop. Yeah, I mean, you would hope that he could put that aside. Yeah. But he is a man. He is a man. Hot-blooded American male. Just try to get fucked. Trying to get that dick wet. <laughs> um, so, as you might expect in a movie like this, there is a chick fight. <laughs> it's not sexy, though. No, it's not at all. It's, they both end up... Well, I guess not both. Just Abby ends up covered... In blood. Yeah, although that doesn't really stem from the fight itself. Not itself, but that's how it kind of ends. Like, that whole sequence, that's how it kind of resolves. Yeah. But, I mean, they're they're throwing themselves around, like, just fighting in this operating room. I think there's actually... Yeah, there actually is somebody being operated on. And I think they actually knock the patient off the table. Yeah. And he's, like, trying to crawl away. Um, but, uh, yeah, total missed opportunity in, uh, in having a sexy chick fight, you know? Yeah. Especially when you got somebody like Katrina Bowden. <laughs> like, why would you just let that opportunity pass you <laughs> by? Um, and, oh, so this being a 3D movie, even though we watched it in 2D, you can really pick out what we have come to coin as the stupid boner moments. Yep. Um, Patent pending. (laughs) There were... It seemed like for most of the movie, at least, I didn't even notice any. It seemed like I I started noticing a lot of them towards the end. Yeah, it was almost like they forgot that they were shooting in 3D, and they're like, oh, shit, right, 3D. Yeah. Throw in some some of this. Yeah, I mean, there was obviously things like there's like a scalpel she puts like yeah she like points at the screen and um a bone saw or not a bone saw but a um the 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 rotary saw but it's it's got a name is that just a bone saw I think so okay um in in case you don't get it the reason we call them boner moments is because look out something's coming at you yeah something's sticking out (laughs) um and all the 3D fanboys love, you know, they get little boners when it happens. Right. 
So it's, it's got a dual meaning. You, get, you, hear, you hear him say little boners? Yeah, little, little, little tiny baby little, boners. Little baby boners. Can <laughs> uh, we just use the phrase baby boners? <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you pick up on that. <laughs> hashtag baby boners. <laughs> I'm full of them. I got hashtags for days. Um. I think she, like, throws a shoe or something, and uh, she knocks the nozzle off of a tank of oxygen, comes flying at you. Mm-hmm. And at the very end, it ends on a boner moment. She, like, has a sticker on the end of her finger. And oh, yeah. on the camera. Anyway, um, so, I mean, that's, that's, that's the film in a nutshell. Uh, yeah, like I said, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we can't really talk about because it would give away way too much of the movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, like I, I was hoping for a lot more from this movie. Yeah, me too. It was like you said. It was it was kind of boring. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I really don't know what else to say. Yeah. You want to give it a rating? Um. Yeah. Uh. Like like I just said, I was hoping for a lot more from this. Um. And. While the story, like the concept, seems all right, just the delivery and the fact that um, I'm sorry if there's if there if she has any fans out there, but I'm pa- uh, positive that Horta is not a good actress. No, she's not. You could tell she was trying to cover up an accent. Yeah, and she wasn't good at it at all. Yeah, um, and she she was constantly like almost speaking in a whisper. Yeah, she sounded like she, she was like from a nine seven six number most of the movie. Yeah, like she's trying to talk in this like sexy tone. Yeah, um, and it was just obnoxious to to watch her on screen. I mean, even everybody else in the movie po- lifted her up, and she was like the star of the movie. Yeah. Um. So I mean, that obviously really killed the movie when you focus on a main act. You know, main main character that's not a good actor, and you have to have the supporting cast to prop them up. That's just sad, and um, just the general execution. The movie was too dark. Um, it was obviously very slow paced. They said it was seventy six minutes. It seemed like it was an hour and a half at least. Yeah. Um, I mean, like after the credits and everything, it was it was around ninety minutes. But right. Um. So. Uh, that being said, uh, I think I will probably put this movie probably about a four. I uh, I'm gonna go three, three. Yeah, like I I feel like I probably would have gone four if we had done this movie first, but then I'm I'm trying to compare it to American Mary, and I don't think that they're that close, so I'm putting it at a three. Cool. You're still here. It's over. Go home. Go. Okay, well, that's going to do it for our reviews. And I think that's all we got. Have anything to add before we sign off? Uh, Just the usual. Check us out on our website at graveplotpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. And make sure you see... uh, Subscribe to the show. Don't on, sue us. 
don't sue us. <laughs> We're sorry for whatever we did. Um, no, subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher Radio or via RSS. And uh, links to all those are on the website. And leave us some reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, it helps us get found by more people. Yeah. Um, and what was I going to say? Oh, uh, also we try to make a good uh, a point to let you guys know what movies we're going to be reviewing for the next episode, whether it be on Twitter or Facebook or, or wherever. So um, when you guys catch wind of that, uh, be sure to call in our voicemail or leave a comment or send us a e- email us a review or something if uh, you want to participate. Yeah, any any thoughts we get, we'll we'll read them on the air. Um, you know, assuming they're appropriate and relevant but you can you know you can tweet us you can email us at graveplotpodcast at gmail.com or you like tony said call our voicemail number 858-848-PLOT yeah uh and uh any podcasters out there that might want to swap ads with us um then uh yeah email us at graveplotpodcast.com or graveplotpodcast at gmail.com and uh let us know thanks for listening we'll see you next time Yeah, take care, guys. Uh, We'll catch up with you in a couple weeks.